I just did a deal. There was a cash in refinance. Yeah. I don't know if there's been a cash in refinance in 15 years. Yeah, like like right. this is the first time that they're going to realize real estate doesn't only go up. The fact that you did the biggest deal at the time in Colorado state history, yep. equity like returns with debt level risk. That should be just like the slogan. Maybe I'll make that our slogan. It sounds great. My name is Omar Morales. I'm a commercial real estate broker that's closed over $3 billion worth of deals in South Florida. This gives me access to some of the most prolific real estate deal makers in not only South Florida, but also the country. My goal with the Real Estate Deal Makers podcast is to keep the conversations timely and current so you have a better understanding of where the market is today, and more importantly, where the leaders of this industry think it might be tomorrow. So let's dive into today's conversation. Noah Miller is the founder and president of Royal Palm Funding, a private lender focused on short-term bridge loans in the sub $5 million space. Royal Palm Funding has a nationwide footprint with a focus on commercial real estate and single family investment properties. In this conversation, we talk about how Noah Miller went from a very successful institutional career path, closing $200 million deals, to opening up his own shop, now focused on sub $10 million deals. We talk about how he's remained active in a tough market, where he thinks this market is going, and most interestingly, how he's finding equity-like returns with debt level risk for his investors. Here's my conversation with Noah Miller. So Noah, so glad uh, you made this and you finally came down. I'm and happy to be here. I know, I know I've been bothering you for months now, trying to get you down, you're a busy guy. Um, so I think something, you know, as, as, as contacts, I've known Noah for maybe like seven, 10 years now almost. Probably. And when, I think when I first met you, you were on a panel, talking your book your thing and i was just like man this guy's like so smart so nice and then when we finally met i'm like and he's crazy genuine too when we finally grabbed lunch so someone i've stayed close to in the business uh and as context basically when we met you were at pensum residential yep basically like big institutional shop buying big pieces of real estate sort of across the spectrum i think you guys would do Pref equity, you would buy yeah. things We're even some bridge lending as well okay. a little bit of everything in the multi-space and where i'd want to get started is the fact that you did the biggest deal at the time in Colorado State history, yep, and then now you are at Royal Palm, yep, you've you know created Royal Palm and are doing you know call it sub five million dollar bridge loans, yes. So you've gone from the 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 highest institutional side of the world, yeah. to like slinging with the locals, you know, that's, yeah, that's right. Uh, so just want to hear about that transition and and yeah, how it's been and why why you sort of like pick this niche and why you like it. Yeah, it's been a good transition, obviously interesting. Uh, and it's funny, a lot of people ask me that question because you're right, I was, I was, I was blessed to be at Pensum. They're a fantastic organization. Amazing. We were doing massive deals. Like you said, we did the largest deal in Colorado state history at the time, which is really exciting. 350 million, you know, it's sexy, it's fun, it's flashy. Uh, and they're just a This is me with my $100 million deals, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, sexy. Um, you know, and I could have stayed in that institutional world uh, and I would have been happy in that institutional world. Um, you know, I personally thought that there was a market in a niche space of the sub five million dollar space. What I, what I saw was there was a lot of groups willing to write 10, 15, 20, 30 million dollar checks. And there really wasn't anyone who said, I want to be in that sub five million dollar space. I think people said to themselves, it's the same amount of work to do a $20 million deal as a $5 million deal. So sure. why not do the $20 million deal, which makes sense. Um, but there's so much more competition. Right. And when I decided it was time to break off and go off on my own and do my own thing, I said, where can I really make an impact? You know, yeah. where can I actually make a splash in the water, not be one of a hundred, but be one of five, um, you know, and, and listen, if this involve, evolves into something where I am doing $20 million deals or $300 million deals, deals great. But you know, I had to start somewhere, and I had to start yeah. in a business that I saw that I could actually perform well in and have some, for, some sort of advantage. So right. um, mentally, it's been a weird transition going from you know three hundred million dollar <laughs> deals or fifty million dollar deals to million dollar deals. But um, yeah, the sponsors are very different. I the imagine. sponsors are very different. But something that you said is actually relevant to to my world, where it's like a reason why I like brokeraging so much is like if you're selling a $100 million multifamily deal in South Florida, mm -hmm. there's three or four shops that you're using, yeah, right? Sure. It's Bercadia, Newmark, now CBRE because uh, Given went to CBRE from Cushman and Walker Dunlop, call mm -hmm. it. So for me, I see myself as one of four. Yeah. I'm like, I like this. I like this, this competition. When I go and market a deal, an $80 million deal, my bid list is a hundred folks. Yeah, yeah. I ask a hundred 
very legit, institutional, well-capitalized shops. Uh What are you looking for? They all tell me the same thing within a three to 5% band. We're looking for 12% levered returns over a five-year hold. We're looking for a 6% cash on cash, whatever it may be at the time. So I'm like, that's so crowded. And I get that, like, if you do well and all these things, you, you know, you become a multimillionaire. But just like from a supply demand perspective, uh-huh. I'm like, I want to be one of four, yeah. not one of a hundred. Yeah. So for you, do you have competition in your space? Do you feel like when you're talking to these guys, you sort of know I'm, I'm the one, I'm, I'm their hope and, you know. Yeah. Of course, we have some competition, not a lot. A lot of our competition is, is regional competition. For example, there might be someone who's doing what we're doing, but they're only doing it in Miami. Or there might be that person, but only doing it in, in Texas. We're doing it nationwide. So I think we have a little more reach than a lot of our competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we don't have that much competition. And again, that's why I like the space. And how do you go, because it's sub $5 million sort of loans, how do you end up getting the leads for, hey, yeah. I, I need an $800,000 bridge loan. And they're yeah. like, call Noah at Royal Palm Funding. Like, how do you build a, that? A how lot of it's start? referrals. And, okay. and by the way, a lot of it is people that I've met over the last 10, 12 years in the industry who know what I'm doing uh, and will hear about someone and refer it to me. But, you know, we do the same marketing anyone does. We do obviously a little bit of Google advertising. We have a massive broker database. Um, we even have relationships with banks and other larger lenders who we tell them, you know, if you have a loan on your uh, that you want to do, but you can't close it in time, or it's not stabilized enough, it's in a, tra- uh, a transitional period, call me up, let me do the bridge loan for three months, six months, 12 months, and then you can have the takeout. Um, right. So a lot of it's the grassroots kind of knocking on doors and telling people who you are, uh, which is, um, it's difficult, it's mm-hmm. not easy. Yeah. And the truth is we have to fight for every deal we get. No Correct. one comes in our, it, deals aren't just landing on our doorstep, we're out there finding deals. And I'm assuming a lot of these sponsors, it's like, this is probably the first time that they're dealing with a million dollar transitionary bridge loan? Or is it like, uh, hey, I, this is what I do? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of sponsors who like that space and who say, this is what I'm good at. I'm good at buying million dollar deals and turning them into $2 million deals or whatever the Make story Make a great living doing that. Yeah, and they don't, exactly like I said, they don't wanna compete with the institutional groups and take the step up. It doesn't yeah. make sense for them. They, they, they like the lifestyle they live. They like managing the real estate they manage. So. Um, a fair amount of them, they know what they're there doing. There are repeat and it's yeah, like, there's hey, a lot of repeat. Noah, no, Royal Palm, yeah. they'll hook it up. We, we definitely get some newer groups. We get a lot of groups. This market. We get a lot of groups where they were working under someone else who was much larger, right? Mm-hmm. And they've decided to take a step out on their own for the first time, whether they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And instead of going after the $15 million deals, they're saying, I'm going to buy a $5 million deal to start. Mm-hmm. But I really don't have the balance sheet to do it like my right. company did right. or the track record on my own. So we're seeing a lot of those sponsors as well. Right. I'm curious from your your worldview in the market right now mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of the lens that you have given the sponsors that you're dealing with. And I guess for, from my perspective, when I deal with these billion dollar institutions that own, you know, 80, 100, 150 million dollars worth of real estate, they're not really seeing that much distress. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're maybe not as satisfied as they thought they would be when they bought the asset in yeah. this market, but they have so much access to capital. They have so much access to like a recap, pref equity that they're able to sort of kick the can, which is a effective strategy in this sure. market. Be- yeah. You know, they say like survive till 25 is what I'm hearing here and yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, this is my personal view, I think the people that, when the times were good, 2021, 2022, money was flowing, I feel like the people that syndicated uh, deals that were less sophisticated and were doing 80% bridge loans uh-huh. for a $20 million deal, $25 yep. million deal, more like guys without a track record, yep. I'm like, I think that space is going to see some trouble. Yeah. So for me, it's like, big guys, they'll be fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. But the but the twenty million dollar space, I'm like, there is a lot of uh, bad decisions and and low risk management being done. So I'm curious how that translates to you doing a, a the sponsor doing a two million dollar deal, yeah. sophisticated, not sophisticated. You're like, well, I, Omar, I think you're 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 very spot on in terms of. I think that's where there's going to be opportunity for a lot of people, which is so many people got into this industry over the last let's say five years who really didn't have expertise in the market. And I'm sure you've seen this, and I'm sure you're gonna see a lot more of it, where they're forced to sell, where they rode the wave of low interest rates, right? They rode the wave of high organic rank growth. And maybe they, 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 they painted some walls, right? And, and said there was value add, but 
they really were just riding this wave, mm -hmm. which works when there's a wave. What happens now when <laughs> yeah. the wave has crashed? So, bumper quote. So, you know, I think there's going to be a big opportunity there for you, for me, for a lot of the more experienced organizations and institutions in the industry who can almost go in and say, all right, these guys overlevered. Mm -hmm. They're going to lose the property, mm -hmm. whether it becomes bank owned or whether they have to sell it just to save a little bit of their equity. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious if you've started to see that yet. You know, like I've started to hear rumors, you know, you read The Real Deal or, you know, some of the, the, the publications, they start to say, you know, this group um, had to sell off this asset or this group's starting to get in trouble because capital costs, whatever it may be. Like, yeah. have you started to see less sophisticated, less experienced groups start to get into trouble yet? And, or, or have you gotten calls from some of your good clients that said, you know, as soon as there's some trouble in the market, give us a call. We want to pounce on these opportunities. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's giving me the call of like, mm -hmm. I want to pounce on opportunities. Um, but I think part of, so we are seeing it, yes, mm -hmm. but less so in South Florida. So I'm hearing this happening and not to like knock on any specific market, but like a Houston or an mm -hmm. Austin yeah, or yeah. Birmingham and yeah. stuff like that. What happened with South Florida, which honestly blows my mind, the shift that's happening, and we'll touch on that because you're local. Um, we sold the deal at like peak of the market, right? Like early 2022. And basically that property had gotten 30% rank growth. Mm. And then the guy that bought it got 30% rank growth. Yeah. And then the guy that was selling it, the new buyer projected 30% rank growth. The 30% the they've been getting, that was organic or they were actually adding value? Bit of both, yeah. bit of both, bit of both. And when we were selling this property, call it a third time around, uh -huh. and they were going from like 30% to 30% and we're going to buy it and do another 30%, yeah. I was like, that's impossible. Yeah. They bought it. We go and um, they, so this closed in early 2022. They reached out to us for a valuation. Obviously, the valuation's down 15, 20% from when uh -huh. they bought it, which yeah. is fine. They don't have to sell it. But the craziest part about it, and the reason I mentioned the story, they have like 27% rent growth or something like that. So I'm like fundamentals i'm like it is it, it blows my mind that you actually weren't off on your rank growth yeah so where i'm getting at is i think in south florida we're fortunate to be have to have real good good tailwinds which is the market i operate in that's a and then b i think in south florida the owner has such a higher threshold for pain mm -hmm. because they're so bullish in the market they're so optimistic that even if it looks very doom and gloom and they've got a bridge loan coming due and they need a sort of like they're like no let's let, if it's a capital call, if it's mm -hmm. pref equity, like we're yeah. doing it because yeah. I know this property is a good buy five years from now, yeah. you know, and I'm not selling it today. In a tertiary market, secondary market, yeah. I could see people sort of needing to dump a little more yeah. than we've seen here. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I wonder, are you getting calls from anyone who they're getting worried about South Florida from a insurance standpoint, <laughs> from a fear of where is South Florida going to be in 20 years? Like yeah. it, I, I see all these... New York firms and these nationwide firms buying in South Florida, and they believe in South Florida. So do I, so do you. That's why we live here. I genuinely think it's the best place in the world to live. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But like, that's why it's here, guys. But don't they, at some point, you have to, they have to say to themselves, where is South Florida in 20 years? Like, is that a fear yet? I mean, insurance, I did a deal in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. It was almost impossible to get insurance on this property. Almost yeah. impossible. There was yeah. one carrier who would do it, and the, the cost was astronomically high. And I'm sure everyone in South Florida or a lot of places, I mean, you look at some of the flooding in, in New York recently, like Wild. It's, it's getting out of control. Wild. Are some of these companies just saying like, we just don't even know what's gonna happen 20 years in the city. Is mm -hmm. that a conversation? So I'll tell you the only way that I've seen it sort of affect us is, I mean, absolutely underwriting, uh -huh. obviously. Insurance has gone from, when I started in the business, it was $400 per unit per year. Yeah. <laughs> the good yeah, old days. Of course, I remember. You know? And if it, was, if it got to 500, people would complain. <laughs> and now it's gone from $400 per unit per year to 750 to 1200 uh -huh. to 1800 uh -huh. We were doing a deal in Key West where somebody was off on price and we're like, show me your underwriting, $5,000 per unit per year. And real quick, that is not what you should be underwriting yeah, for South Florida real estate. But like Key West, one carrier, very uh -huh. unique thing. Not a credible sponsor, didn't have an umbrella policy, all these things, but it gets high. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it's definitely affecting us, right? Obviously. But from a longer term perspective, which was your question, I've only, we had, we sold a deal, $100 million deal, 308 units in Sunny Isles, right next to the beach. Like it's water, million dollar condos, this property, mm -hmm. right next door. And out of 100 phone calls, I had five, four or five 
funds people tell me like, ah, it's just too close to the water. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, we need to be more inland. Um, so I don't know if, if I call a thousand, if I call people from the Midwest and stuff, they're like, oh, that's, you know, we don't deal with South Florida. I'm sure that that's a conversation, but people that are saying, I want to grow exposure in South Florida, they're not really looking at like, oh, it's too close to the water versus it's not. So I don't think it's a question. I think it's sort of the way I think about it is like ground leases. Yeah. People don't like ground leases. Sure. But if you could get some alpha yeah, because yeah, of I a understand. ground lease and stuff, you know that you don't own this land 99 years from now, but they're like, that's fine. Like we'll sell it in 10, we'll sell it in 15. It. I get it. So it's not really something that comes out as much. So walk me through at Royal Palm, like walk me through a deal. Uh, I guess I'm curious, like sort of where the lead comes in. Does a random broker call you and say, I've got this client. Um, and then maybe something you've done recently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to give some context, what we focus on is, is primarily debt. First mortgage bridge loans. We'll do second mortgages um, and we'll buy some properties, but our 90% of our portfolio today is, is strictly in the debt space. And we can get to why that is. It's because I believe right now that that's where the opportunities are, are in the debt space. Um, we were just know. talking about this, right? So the returns that you're sort of looking at exactly. are plus or minus what? Just give me a ballpark. It could range, I'm sure. High single digits, low double digits right. in the debt space. For a first mortgage For position. For a first mortgage position. So it's literally like you're, you're, you are the senior lender, right? Like I'm the senior things lender. go wrong, this is my property. Correct. And you're getting, call it plus or minus 10%, you That's know? right. And Correct. then on the equity space, we were just chatting. It's like people are looking at 12% sort of returns. Yeah. I mean, I was projected. Yeah, I was underwriting a lot of equity deals and you would be lucky if you got 5% cash on cash return. Right now, for me personally, 5% doesn't excite me. If I'm an institutional group and I'm happy with 5%, God bless you. For me, right, and for a lot of younger people who aren't big institutional groups, we need higher yields than, than 5%. So for me, I would say if I could earn plus or minus 10%, 9, 10, 11, 12, be in a first mortgage position, 65% of basis of someone else's purchase price. Yeah. That makes sense to me in this market. Such a good, I mean, you, you send me your deals to like be an LP and I'm like, yes, that makes <laughs> like, sense. To please me. put me in there. That makes sense yeah. to me. And um, it's such a good pitch. It's like, people aren't doing this. Like to your point, like, I don't know another Royal Palm personally. I'm sure there are. Uh, there are some, doing... it's not as sexy as buying a property. It's not. People like pretty photos, Correct. that's what people like, right? They like a pretty photo on Instagram and say, um, you know, this property is, is sexy and we're gonna make it sexier, we're gonna redo the units, we're gonna push rent growth, which is a great business model. My business is not sexy. My right. business is someone is buying a property for a million dollars. Yeah. We believe in the property, the bar, the location, et cetera. We'll provide a first mortgage for 65%, usually short-term in nature, bridge loans, six months, 12 months, 36 months, whatever it is, they're either in a transitional period, maybe there's some vacancy, they have to do some tenant improvements, um, maybe they need to close very quickly, a bank can't close in time. Right. So they bring us in um, and we're earning what I consider equity-like returns for right. debt level risk. Okay. So it just makes sense to me in this market. Yeah. Um, equity-like returns with debt level risk. That should be just like the slogan. Maybe I'll make that our slogan. It, it sounds great. I like it. I'm I'll like, because it is what, it's what it is, yeah. actually. Um, so give me a deal as it relates to like, hey, this guy was buying a, I don't know, medical office. Or... I have a, per- so there's a deal in, in South Florida I did in Fort Lauderdale. I closed it two months ago. It's kind of a perfect uh, synopsis of what we do in a situation where someone comes to us. Individual owned a prime piece corner lot in Fort Lauderdale, 5,000 square foot building, retail building, single tenant. There was a tenant in there the previous 10 years, of course, below market rent. Their lease came due. Um, The owner of the property did not want to extend them because they were under market. He went out, hired a leasing broker, found them a new tenant to pay roughly three times more rent. This individual owned the property free and clear. He actually built it like oh, 30 wow. years ago. This is he his baby. Free and clear, his baby. Yeah. He's retired. He doesn't have income at the moment, a salaried income. Uh, the property, when we came in, was vacant, no cash flow. He needed money for three things. He needed to pay the leasing commission, which was sizable since it was a 10-year lease right. and a very um, expensive lease. Right. He needed TI dollars to do the tenant improvement fit out for this new tenant coming in. Mm-hmm. And he needed money to do general um, repairs on the building. Okay. New roof, hurricane windows, parking lot, general stuff. And if we're just talking orders of magnitude, mm-hmm. that leasing commission is a hundred grand? It was a little more than that. Okay. Um, TI is about the same as well. So we did a loan of 750,000 for on the property for him. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, it went to those three things, leasing commission, tenant improvement, general building repairs. The property is worth about $2 million. Okay. Um, he couldn't find anyone to give him the loan. Mm-hmm. Now I look at this and I say, this is a prime piece of real estate in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. It's worth easily $2 million. Right. We're in at 750,000. 
brand new tenant, all the renovations done, TI done, et cetera. Because the property wasn't cash flowing, because mm -hmm. he was retired and didn't have quote unquote income, mm -hmm. the banks wouldn't touch him. Other lenders weren't so confident in it. And he needed to close quickly because he was just about to sign that lease. And when he signed the lease, yeah, part of the commission check had to be written. Yeah. So we looked at this and said, this is a no brainer deal. Mm -hmm. um, we see a lot of deals like that, that are, you know, when you look at the facts, they're no brainers, but for whatever reason, the banks, the conventional lenders, they can't get on board because certain boxes aren't checked. Mm -hmm. And again, that there's such a, um, an opportunity in the market there, right. which is like, you look at a deal and you say, yes, this makes sense. Why is everyone passing on it? So what he's retired and doesn't have salaried income. Like, we're lending on the property. This right, property right. is a great it's property. It's worth this. Um, or so what? It's not cash flowing right now. I get that. A tenant just moved out. He has a new tenant coming in. Like that makes yeah, sense. Like there's to a lease me. here. Like, it's a bird in the hand. Yeah, exactly. Now you can take the approach. What if that lease doesn't ever get executed? Okay, that's fine. Mm. We're still in on a good basis yeah. on a good property. So yeah. listen, does he spend another six months finding a new tenant? Yeah. Yes, but that's okay. Yeah, the tenant could be paying half the rent, and I'm totally still in my money. Fine. Um, right. So from a duration perspective, it's like, hey, you're going to pay the leasing commission, you're going to pay your TIs, mm -hmm. you're going to do the general repairs and maintenance. And we do it in draws. So it's not like that money is outlaid day one. Okay. That is outlaid you're as like, it's You're like, here's your leasing spent. commission. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that money is outlaid as it's spent. So even though our total loan is $750,000, our basis isn't $750,000 day one. It could mm -hmm. be 200000 day one. Six months down the road, it might be at that point 300000 Another three months down the road, 500000 So, you know... Our risk is, um, it's not all upfront risk. This is why I'm so interested better. in investing with you, right? Because I think these two things are so unique in, in, in you as a person and what you do. A, very, very institutional, high caliber experience. Sure. You've done the biggest deals with the most reputable shops and you've learned, I, I know your colleagues, your, sure. your ex-colleagues, if you will, and they're, they're brilliant, right? Uh, CFA type yes, people. amazing. And you're doing sub-institutional deals where... Two things. One, I don't see that deal flow, right? Like if, yeah. as, an, as an LP, I don't see it. Yeah. And if I do see it, my thought would be that it's with someone that like has been in this like yeah, yeah. cowboy space for a very long time. So you've got this like institutional experience yeah. and context and you are just like crushing the, well, the that, in that, a good way. Like that's you're what just... I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take um, an institutional approach on something that used to be and still is very fragmented. Um, and there's no real players doing it nationwide. So mm -hmm. I'm, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm trying to do. But you're right. You would never see, or anyone in the institutional world, never see a $750,000 loan request. Mm -hmm. Even though the property's worth $2 million, it, because it's not <laughs> worth like, a lot of people's time. The prep equity stuff that we do here, mm -hmm. like we'll call these big shops, like a Starwood, and they're like, wait, you need $15 million? Yeah. They're like, no, no, we it's need 30 worth, or more. Exactly, and I'm like, put out 15 million, it's a great deal. They're yeah. like, no, no, we don't wanna, we don't wanna waste our time. And I'm I, like, blows my mind. I don't need the whole pie. Give me a little piece. Yeah. You know, give me a little but piece. But it's a delicious sense, pie. But that delicious piece will, will <laughs> feed us well. It's really good. Uh, it'll feed our partners well. Yeah. Um, the way so, I think about it too, is like you are providing liquidity in an illiquid space. Yes. And you're basically, again, you're, you're, you're the guy, right? Yes. As it relates and, and that, from a, from a leverage perspective is sort of where you want to be. So in that loan, $750,000 mm -hmm. and it's in draws. Yes. So you can ballpark. The rate, I'm assuming since it's in draws, do you think this loan is going to be out for five years or six months? I, the projections are it'll be out for about a year. Okay. Because um, then what, that, he'll refi it with yeah, an actual the, bank? Yeah, exactly. You know, it'll take, assume, three to six months to do the physical work of redoing the roof, the, the windows, the TI work, et cetera, until the tenant moves in. And then maybe it takes them a couple months to season it until take it out to the markets. Who knows where the, the debt markets are in a year from now? Right. Maybe the banks are lending again, maybe they're not. So my gut feeling is a year, but what I've learned in this business, I'm sure you've seen it, everything takes longer than people expect, especially yeah. when you have a renovation, especially when you're trying to get debt in this market. Every bank oh who God. you think can lend in 30, 60 days, it's gonna take 90 days, 120 yeah, 90 days. Yeah. Um, so I say a year, would I be surprised if it's out So do you structure months? it no. as like a five-year loan with, an, with a We usually do We usually do a few years with some extension options. Okay. That's usually how we do it to Got get it. Some, some flexibility. And then rate-wise, low double digits or? Anywhere from high single digits to low double digits. Okay. It's pretty typical. And then because it's in draws, some of that sort of like meat, call it, comes in from origination, like... Yeah, fee, sure. Fees yeah. going in, fees going out. Like any lender, there are origination fees that get charged. Okay. Um, like any bank would charge any lender. Yeah. Something sure. that I'm so interested in is I'm sort of still very much doing the $100 million eye-catching 
headline making sort of news and and there's there's a there's a part of that which you know your ego likes if you will because people are like wow right yeah how was it for you going from because I want to talk about your transition, but it's I guess like we're at therapy session. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like talk to me here. <laughs> yeah, how was it for you going from hey friends and family? I just closed up the biggest deal in Colorado state history. Yeah. To like hey friends and family, this retired dude that needs seven hundred grand yeah. for a building he built twenty years ago, and like I'm here to help. How, how was that? Um, it's a it's a fantastic question, and again, it's a question that I get. Frequently, because you're right, there is something really exciting about announcing that you closed a massive deal, again, with a pretty picture. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I get it a lot because there is something to the excitement of posting a big, sexy deal, $100 million, flashy in Miami City Center, wherever well, it is. Well, my friends think I'm like a multimillionaire because I closed a $100 million deal. They're like, Omar, are you making $3 million? I've known you, for a, like, long, no, I've known you for a long time. I'm still impressed when I see the stuff you do. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. That's incredible. Like, That's an awesome asset. Makes me feel great. It is cool. Uh, um, you know, at the end of the day. How old were you when you made this transition? Uh, 29. Okay. Uh, my age. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, at the end of the day, when I, I put a lot of thought into it. It's not like I, I just well, decided, sure. I woke up one day and said, I'm done with the institutional space. I'm gonna <laughs> done do with it. sexy stuff. I really said to myself, where do I wanna be in 10 years from now? And what do I wanna be doing? And it, for me, it was important. I wanna be running a business. I wanna be doing something that I'm proud of, uh, that I'm contributing and, and, and doing a good service to my borrowers, which I believe I'm doing. Um, and I, again, I looked at it and said, where can I shine? I knew that I couldn't compete against institutional companies. Again, I could stay in the institutional world, world and do fine, but I would never be able to compete with them, at least not in the short term future. So I said, where is that opportunity? And this is where the opportunity was. Um, and for you, why was the institutional world not something that you maybe saw yourself in in 10 to 15 years when you were 29, 30? Yeah, I could see myself years? back in the institutional world. Mm -hmm. I can, I think it's a great space. I think that at the time, my, my concern was the institutional world was, it, there used to be so many more owner operators it's getting very condensed. And you would know this more than I would, so you can opine on it, but it seems like the Blackstones and Starwood, they're buying so many assets yeah. that at some point there might only be five owners of multifamily across the country. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like when I started, I'm gonna take a guess, there was 500 owners of apartments. Yeah. In 10 years, then there might only be five. Well, again, the market's so saturated that like you, you, they end up getting alpha, I think, because it's just like, who can find the cheapest capital? They have the cheapest capital. No right. one can compete Who's got the them. biggest fundraising yeah. machine? And then you, if you them. want to go off on your own, you're like, I'm not going to be the biggest fundraising machine day one on a $100 million building. Now, you could be better at doing certain things. You could pick a niche market and a certain property type and really create real value and, 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 and win that way. Um, but for me, I said, what can I do the next 5, 10, 15 years where I can create real value? Um, even though it's not exciting and sexy, it's something that I believe in. It's good quality real estate. My goal is to create a safe, conservative portfolio that can withstand a downturn. Mm -hmm. I can do that through what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. If I was out there buying multifamily at four caps or five caps, I personally, it's not the risk return I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I was looking for lower risk, higher return. Yeah. How do I do that sustainably? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, So but, for you, it's like you, you, you go into the space and you're saying, okay, I'm gonna make this transition. How does it feel, because it's something I think about, sort of being out of the flow that you were in doing $100 million deals. Because if you're still at Pensum, yeah, yeah. you just closed an $80 million loan, you're yeah. talking to Blackstone, you're talking yeah. to this, and now you're, you're, how's that, did you know that that was sort of gonna I'm happen? I'm still in or? the flow. Um, I saw you're speaking at a conference soon. I'm speaking at a conference like next week, I'm speaking at yeah. a conference a month, a, a month after that. And the truth is, I've built such great relationships with people like you in the industry yeah. that I was in that I still speak to them all the time. Good. I mean, one of the first people I ever worked uh, with in the institutional world, uh, I had lunch with two weeks ago. This is Summers? Um, Michael Summers. I who, love Michael. I love Michael. He's Give a big best. shout out to Michael Summers. He the hired best. me when the I was best. still in college. Yeah. Um, I had lunch with him two weeks ago. Um, even the Pensum guys. I mean, I was with uh, one of the, the, the principals of Pensum a month ago. So yeah. I'm still in that world and have the relationships. My day-to-day Deals are different than theirs, but at right. the end of the day, it's real estate, right? right. Whether you're buying a million dollar apartment building or a hundred million dollar apartment building, what's the difference? The only difference is the dollar size, the amount of zeros. Right. It's still real estate. How it's much more entrepreneurial is it, right? Because uh, I don't wanna say, I don't wanna use the word complaint, but some of my, call it early 30 year old friends that are very successful in these institutional shops, what, what some of them have started to realize is mm -hmm. that it's not as exhilarating and entrepreneurial as sort of 
they they came into it seven years ago. Uh-huh. They're like, I do this. This is the box, and yeah, I'm like, sure. I'm I'm just pounding this box. Versus like now, I'm assuming your responsibilities. It's like a cat. It's what is it like a? Yeah, I mean that's true. I think that's with any any anyone who 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 decides to go off on their own and do something. Um, they're going to have to have that battle, that entrepreneurial battle of. I'm no longer at an organization where I have one role or two roles. I now have 10 roles and I have to figure out how to balance that. And that, that's difficult. That's mm-hmm. really hard to do. And I have a couple of friends who are in a similar situation and we use each other. Um, we bounce ideas off of each other and we kind of use each other as a support team because you'd speak to anyone going through it. There's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs and you yeah. go back and forth and you can be on top of the world and then you can feel like, what am I doing? And that's just, again, that's the normal process and progress that you have with any company that's when you're building a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long has it been? Uh, I, I left the institutional world in 2020. So about three years. What a time to leave it too. Yeah. Whole world is changing. The whole world was changing. That's actually, right. yeah. Was, but this was pre like it, you, no, you it was, made, it was during COVID during COVID in the beginning of COVID. Okay. Was what like, was COVID in, in, in the decision making? Not really. I, I had, I had not really, I, I, I knew it was going to come eventually. COVID maybe sped it up a little bit. I, there were a lot of things that time happened. I, I got married. My wife and I were both ready to um, move out of Miami and move to, uh, to Boca, which is where we live now. Um, Love Boca. So it was just a, a couple of things in my life happened where I said mm-hmm. it's the right time. So I'm 30, I'm a 32 year old person in Blackstone mm-hmm. and I'm like, this Noah guy is speaking my language. Mm-hmm. I, I feel what he's saying. It's exactly what I want to do. I, I see myself in his shoes. How, how would you like advise someone like that to start making the transition from like a person that has just been doing $300 million deals or a hundred million dollar deals? Yeah. Um, I think spend a lot of time and think about what it is you want to do. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to really be passionate about what you're doing to make it successful. I think everyone knows that. I mean, you are one of the most passionate people I know. I, I, like I said, I've known you for a long time and I see what you're doing and you are very passionate about what you do. You love what you do, which is why you're so good at what you do. Mm-hmm. If you take someone who's not passionate, could they work a desk job? Sure. And they could get by, right. but without the passion, they're never going to build something great. Yeah. Um, so I think anyone who's looking to make a change Think about what it is you really want to do and, yeah. and, and understand all the upsides and the downsides that come with it and the good days you're going to have and the bad days and try to pick a market where you can do something a little different. Yeah. Um, like I said, that was important to me. I, yeah. I, you know, I knew I couldn't compete doing what everyone was doing um, and I didn't want to compete with everyone. So, so really find out where you can compete now. Mm. Um, you know, now's an interesting time because the market's so not as fluid as it was and that has a lot of pros and a lot of cons. It's not as perfect. It's not as perfect. Oh so my you God. can no longer ride the wave so you really have to be a little more opportunistic, but I guarantee there's going to be a lot of distress in the market. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of dislocation in the market yeah. um, and a lot of fear in the market. Yeah. And I think if, if you put together the right business plan and have the right capital behind you, capitalize on that, um, you can do very well in it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at multi, mm-hmm. right. But I can't imagine suburban office, I don't know, suburban hotel. Like, I don't like, yeah. there must be so many opportunities over the next you know, whatever, now till the next 36 months, if you will. Oh, there's going to be a ton um, of opportunities. So for me, I'm like this dislocation, right? Like if you're thinking about a transition, like this could be a pretty good time to to think about it because yeah. of of where we're headed, which by the way, nobody knows. Nobody knows. I was uh, I was joking where, you know, by the time people listen to this podcast, it's like, the t- the ten years at four five is going to be at five two. Yeah, who knows? No, Whatever we say is irrelevant. Yeah, don't listen to anything we say because it's going to be totally changed <laughs> in a month from now. Which is interesting. The guys I'm talking to, they're literally like, Omar, I have not closed a deal in twelve months, fifteen yeah. months. Like, what is? What are you seeing? What is well, that's going a good on? Point. What are you seeing? I mean, I, yeah. I, the people I speak to, it seems like they're mostly sitting on the sidelines. Or is that what you're seeing? That is eighty five, ninety percent of the of the folks I'm talking to. And, and are they waiting for like? Are they waiting for interest rates to change? Are they waiting for pricing to change? What is the going to be the factor that makes them get back yeah. in the game? So I think it depends sort of like the shop. Is it an institutional shop? Is it a family office? Is it like private high net worth? Um, most of them are just looking for, honestly, numbers to pencil in, a, in a, an Excel, in a pro forma. And right now they're like, I'm not getting excited yeah. by this 12% levered return with a 5% cash on cash yeah. on a deal that, you know, I think rents are flat or going to stay flat and insurance is going to go up. Yeah. And there's a bunch of basically like the cloud looks darker. Sure. It doesn't look rosier. Yeah. And something that I sort of resonate with when they tell me this, and I'm a very, I would say like honest, authentic sort of type of salesperson. I'm like, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Something that I hear a lot is, 
Omar, like, if we're gonna start another five, ten year bull run, bull cycle, like, I'll, I'll jump in in year two. I sure. don't, I don't need don't to be to in the, the market. Perfectly. I don't have to be at the top. You don't right? have like, to buy directly at the bottom. Correct. I don't have to be Michael Berry in 07, like, yeah. you know, buying subprime. I'm like, and I'm like, I don't disagree with that. I need to make other phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so what do they say they're doing right now? Are they focused yeah. on their infrastructure? Are they focused more on managing the assets yeah. they own? And what's their focus? A lot of the acquisition guys that I were just in 2021, send me deals, send me deals, send me deals, uh, buying, 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 buying. A lot of them now have an asset management hat on. Really? And they have to sort of like, oh, we're work, we're working this loan out. Uh, we're doing this recap. We're doing this prep. I got it. Um, and I'm like trying to sell them a deal like I was 12 months ago. Uh, They're like, I can't. Like we're, we gotta, we yeah. gotta make sure our ship is, is, is uh -huh. steady. Yeah, that makes so sense. So that, um, and a lot of them, there are still very active. And there's like a joke about it too that I heard recently, which was like, they told me, they're like, Omar, the reason why people are so, the reason why acquisitions people are so actively calling you and wanting to tour, because by the way, I launch a deal right now, gets just as much activity uh -huh. as it did in mid-2021. Really? We have seven days out in the market, 12 tours, like 200 CAs, uh -huh. and I'm like, yeah, it's like people want to buy, you know, they want to look yeah. at the market. I think two things. What I think it's people now have more time on their hands. And they want to understand where is the market. So by how do you figure that out? By like underwriting a lot of deals. Yeah. The funny thing, and it might have been Michael Summers who said that. I don't want to quote him. But he's like, Omar, no, the reason they're calling you is because they're scared of losing their jobs. So they got to be kicking out a bunch of dust internally and like fly here, put out bids so uh, they don't lose their jobs. But they're funny. not going to be buying anything for the next 12 months. So I'm yeah. like, there might be some truth to that. The pricing that you're getting, when you guys put out a, 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 a price now, mm -hmm. are you getting close to that price? No. And buyers are saying what? They're saying... They're being very judicious, like surprisingly judicious. 1031 guys, people that have funds that are at the end of their life and it's uh -huh. like, hey, if we don't deploy this capital, we're losing it. They're like, we don't care. Yeah. So we'll take out a $100 million deal and the pricing will come in plus or minus 80, 85, call it. Okay. Obviously, like that's a moving figure. So now we're being more... We're, we're understanding how the market's sort of shifting and it's shifting a lot, right? I mean, the 10-year, again, in the past two weeks, I went from 4.2 to 4.6. Yeah. Um, so now we'll probably take out deals at a price that I think gets more people interested. And they're like, oh, wow, this basis sounds great. Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's dig in. If we get calls all the time, hey, I bought this deal for a hundred. I'll, I'll give you the listing for 120. Uh -huh. I'm like, God bless. Like, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't waste my time and do this because it's going to be crickets out there. I got it. Um, so we're having honest conversations, which is, by the way, what I'm learning on the brokeraging world. For the first time in my life, I, I need to tell somebody how ugly their baby is or how like hard how is that to do so hard so hard is the reception usually appreciative that you're being honest or they're some of them are upset or they don't want to believe you it's 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 it runs the gamut yeah you've got the person that's like yeah i kind of figured my baby wasn't the cutest and you've got the person that's like are you are you are you kidding me this is the cutest freaking baby you've ever seen and i'm like it's got these things yeah, you know yeah. that don't make it so hot um but that's my biggest learning lesson in this market because when i was selling things 2016 17 18 19 20 high fives all around bunch of bids we said 80 million we sold it for 86 like it was all sunshines and rainbows and now it's like hey i know you think it's worth 100 bids are going to come in at 80 uh -huh. and then we don't know this but what ends up happening is like we have that honest conversation and if they trust us and still say like hey the market's the market. Omar and his team are going to like create, you know, are going to push the deal forward. But what happens is by the time we put a marketing package together in two weeks, and then by the time we're out to market for a month, month and a half, yeah. the tenure's up 40 basis points. Yeah. And the $80 million, that was the honest conversation, sure. is now 70. Yeah. And we're there like, things have not been working in our direction. So, I, I know you're active. I know you guys are selling stuff. You guys yeah. are an amazing team. And again, the way you market yourself personally is incredible. So in this market, how are you guys still getting deals done? Yeah. Is it because the institutional buyers are okay with lower returns? Yeah. Or is it that the assets you're selecting to sell have a little bit of a story that Bingo. you can sell? And what exactly is that you can still get deals done now? You hit the nail on the head. So we are being ultra selective on like the assets that we're taking out and we're uh -huh. listing. Um, so basically we are like, it could be a sexy deal. It could be a great deal. It could be a client we've been wanting to work with for years. Yeah. But if the expectations aren't aligned, we're like, guys, it's just not, it's not worth it. Let's yeah. tell them, you know? Um, so you're right. We closed a $14 million deal uh, earlier this month, a piece of land in Coral Gables. We closed an $86 million deal earlier this year. We've been active. $30 million deal in Hallandale. And it's exactly that. Somebody calls me that they're looking to sell a property 
And quite literally, my response to them is like, you shouldn't sell in this market. Why do you want to sell? Uh-huh. Don't don't sell. Yeah. And they're like, no, I just want to test the water and don't sell. Don't worry about it. Like call me when you need to sell or something like that. Uh-huh. And then the funny part is in having that conversation with them, they're like, well, I've got this other property that I got to inject cash into and yeah, this one I'm making. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> they do need to sell. I'm like, there's a story. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, sir, like I'm not going to tell the market this, yeah, yeah, but course. don't don't broker me, right? So I'll tell people, don't sell. And then they're like, well, I kind of need to. And I'm like, okay. So I don't want to sort of like pinpoint what was happening in each of the deals that I closed this year, but all of them had a story. I got it. Partnership dispute, bank thing, you know, a, a bad loan. So there are still opportunities out there for storied assets, which I think 100%. is important. And, and again, I think that's important for everyone to think about. Well, is, for you, when you go well, make a loan. Every deal I do is a story. Go to a bank. Oh, I can't because of this, because of that. Every deal I do, there's a story. If there's not a story, yeah. they're not coming to me. They're yeah. going to their local bank. You know, the story either has to be they don't have time to go to their local bank. I had a guy who came to me, a huge balance sheet. He sold a massive portfolio of apartment communities, actually in South Florida. He took all that money and 1031 it into uh, triple net deals, credit tenant triple net deals. Um, he came to us because the banks couldn't close in time. He needed to close in 30 days or his 1031 was, was, was expiring and the banks were nowhere to be seen. Crazy. So we did roughly uh, like $4.7 million loan on these triple net deals, amazing basis for us. Yeah. And he was so grateful because if we hadn't come in and saved him, he would have run out through his 1031 and there would have been an issue. Yeah. Um, so, you know, every deal that comes with there's a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, it, remember, there are stories in this market still. And yeah. again, there's going to be more stories because people over levered, 100%. inexperienced people purchased, um, their underwriting was completely too aggressive. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be stories out there that people mm-hmm. can take advantage of and, and find opportunities. Yeah. Well, for me, like I, I put a, a newsletter out with an issue of like volume, deal volume. How crazy this is. From 2012 to 2020, South Florida, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County averaged $3 billion worth of transaction volume. Call it about 100 deals a year, mm-hmm. right? 2021, it went from like three to four billion. 2021, eight to nine billion dollars, right? So call it 3x. 2022, $14 billion. Mm-hmm. So like even, you know, 1.5x on top of that. Now we're back down to like, it's probably gonna be a two to $4 billion year. But what I'm thinking is like, how much of that 8 billion and 13 billion were short-term bridge loans? Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's, that's actually- So many, that's the only way you were buying deals in 2021. So debt that is maturing. Now or in the next couple of years, there's gonna be such an opportunity. That's a huge part of our business, which is you have, you have groups who took out bridge loans a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, expected the market- It's 2021. Yeah, we're actually- Add three years, 2024. I just did a deal, there was a cash in refinance. Yeah. I don't know the last, I don't know that there's been a cash in refinance in 15 years. Yeah, like in your career. In in my career. Well, I heard this recently. I'm like the acquisition guys and the the people that have been operating in this market haven't seen a downturn. Like this is the first time that they're gonna realize real estate doesn't only go up. It's the first time really I'm living through a downturn. You know, I started in this business in 2012, Right. right? Um, and a lot of should have bought everything. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And a lot of people haven't experienced a downturn yet. Um, I know we talk about it a lot, which Mm -hmm. is what happens in the downturn. Mm -hmm. You know, do we buy, do we hold, do we sell? And no one knows until there is a downturn. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the idea of a cash and refinance is, is, is incredible. We we just did a loan. The group came in with new fresh cash of $300,000 to, 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 to fill the gap between what I was willing to lend and what their lender what payoff was. Wait, walk, walk me through that? You? We came in, uh-huh. we did a loan. Uh-huh. The borrower of that property had to come in with $300,000 to fill the difference between what my loan amount was and what their payoff was. Oh, to pay off the other loan. Correct. So they bought this deal. Hundred million, uh, no, for you, a $10 million deal, call it. Yeah. Loan is at $8, at $8 million. And we, we did a $7.7 million loan. So they had to pay off $8 million. They took our loan to, take to pay off the, the majority of it, but they still had to come in with cash. And it's, what happened was when they got a loan a year ago, a year and a half ago, their lender was so high leverage at the time. Mm-hmm. They were 85%, give or take, and we're a 65% lender. Yeah. So when they had to get paid off, there's no new lender willing to do 85%. There's only right. a lender willing to do 65%. Right. So I think you're going to start to see that a lot too. And you're going to have the well-capitalized groups who can afford that. But a lot of people in real estate can't afford a cash and refi. No. The last 15 years, it's been cash out refi, right? Mm-hmm. I own real estate. I'll get a new loan. I'll take more money out. I'll get a new loan. I'll take more money out. High, High fives five. around. <laughs> but now you're seeing that unless you really created true value, yeah. you might have to come with cash and refi, which is, for me, it's amazing. 
Think about how committed they are to this real estate. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a year and a half later, they're writing a new check. Right. That's how committed they are to this real estate. Right, right, right. It makes me feel right. even more excited about the, the loans that, that we're doing. Right. I, uh, I see that with my clients too. They're like, oh yeah, we can raise the capital, no problem. Yeah, yeah let's tie it up. We got the equity, we've never uh, been a problem. Yeah. They'll go tie it up and be like, we don't have the equity. Like the investors, you know, the email m- might not be working. The, they're not getting the memo. It's interesting. I'm seeing a lot of, um, a lot of people come to me and they've been investing in equity pieces of real estate, either through LPs or GPs the last 10 years. And they're starting to see, they're starting to get nervous. They're either getting capital calls on their deals. They're starting to realize that their loan, the, the properties they invested in had floating rate loans and now the cash on cash is, is dramatically lower. They've stopped distribution. That's happened in one of the deals. And, like, that's that's and they're coming to me and saying, yeah. I have this portfolio of equity. I don't want to invest in equities anymore. I want to be in the debt space now because I want those solid cash and cash returns and I don't want to have to worry about what happens if this property doesn't succeed and all of a sudden the bank takes back their property. They said, we want to be the bank. And they're mm-hmm. coming to me and saying, no, well, you're the bank. Let's invest with the bank. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I think in a while that people are starting to say, maybe we should be spending some more time on the debt side. Yeah. Um, which is, again, it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah, Howard Marks, like his, he, he put out a letter recently which was like, private credit uh, is like what we're all in on right now. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, it's, and I get it. It's like people are not, they, 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 they're liquid, they need money yeah. and the equity is, is tough right now. I, I am curious though, like with South Florida, I'm just looking at some of these deals that we're pricing and it's just like, oh my God, this would have sold for 500 a door yeah. a year ago. And now they're struggling to, to sell at, you know, 375 a door or whatever it is. And I'm just like, can somebody come in with like a 10 year hold long-term money and like just buy cash flowing real estate? I think they can. You know, you and I have talked about this before. I know you're very into personal finance as am I and the idea of dollar cost averaging in the stock market, mm-hmm. right? I'll never be able to time the stock market. Mm-hmm. If I think I can time the stock I've tried. market, yeah, I've tried too and I've, I've lost. Every time I feel like I should do something, that's Correct. the worst time to do it. Nobody can do it unless you're Warren Buffett, right? Yeah. I don't think people think about dollar cost averaging in the real estate market as much. At least I don't hear people thinking about it. Maybe there are some groups, but like my philosophy on it is if you believe in the real estate, if you believe in the location, you know, I'm not talking about a tertiary market that's losing population, but strong markets that have population growth, uh, economic drivers, economic growth, et cetera. Even if you're overpaying a little or underpaying, will it matter in five years or 10 years? Like it really won't matter. Like your cash on cash, or your returns might be a point or two off, but what's the difference yeah. if, if you really have a long-term hold? Now, yeah. if you're timing the market, Correct. like a lot of people did the last 10 Correct. years and saying, I'm buying now, renovation plan, flipping out in a mm-hmm. year, you better be good at what you do. I'll tell buyers when they ask me about my advice and stuff like that, I'm like, listen, if you're looking for like a distressed deal to flip in three yeah. years, like I don't think South Florida is the market that you should be looking at yeah. in, like in the near future, sure. right? Like South Florida, I don't think is gonna see as much pain. Yeah. So you, but, I do think if you're slowly but surely aggregating and getting exposure to yeah. South Florida, what we're seeing, I'm a big believer in like vicious vicious and virtuous cycles. Uh-huh. What we're seeing in South Florida, like it's a virtuous cycle and I don't see it slowing down. Yeah. I, you know, I think you know, people are voting with their feet. People are sort of, you yeah. know. It's a good point. Hey, I'm not gonna change whatever, Chicago, or I'm not gonna change California. My life is short, I'm yeah. gonna go to South Florida. Yeah. I have a lot of guys that, that, um, that were living over there and now they're here and they love it. And I think, again, capital flows, dollar cost averaging in real estate, yeah. just, I'm thinking about it. I'm young. I'm like, I need to buy more real estate and just hold it. Cause just, what do I have over Warren Buffett? I have time. That's the only thing you have over him. That's the only thing, <laughs> only thing. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Buy conservatively, invest conservatively and do it over the long term. And again, it's easy to do in the stock market cause you can easily put in a hundred dollars. It's not hard. In yeah. real estate, it's harder. It's tough. Um, but again, what I'm trying to do is build a portfolio of exactly that, which is, Continue to lend on good quality real estate. Continue to invest in good quality real estate. Sometimes it'll be a little higher, sometimes it'll be a little lower, but over the next five, 10 years, accumulate a portfolio that's conservative, that's safe, and has really a long-term growth potential. Um, no, that's what I think most people should do. So I think something that, that we touched on recently is that it's like, from the brokeraging perspective, I like the fact that I'm one of four, right? If you're selling a $100 million deal in South Florida, there's four teams you're calling. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, like I like my odds. This is right off the gun. Sure. I, I got a 25% chance of being selected, yeah. right? And I think I'm okay. So maybe a 26%, 30% chance of being the one to sell this deal. Yeah. I go and sell a deal and it's 
Northland, Blackstone, Covenant Capital, Cortland, you know, yeah. it's just everyone. And I'm just like, man, I'd much rather compete with these dudes <laughs> than, yeah. than all you smart people. But I, it's interesting, you know, I, I really respect what you're doing. And I, I've known you for a long time now. And I, I think I met you when you were in your first year of, of business. You were like the first guy, you might've been the first guy I reached out to that was really? like, you know, like senior person that I'm I like, that. Oh, I want to grab lunch with them. Like, what do you say? What are we going to talk about? I don't so know. I remember it vividly. And I remember thinking, this guy is a rock. Like this guy it's is going to do so well. And I remember the team you were working with at that time, I called up the senior guy there and I told him that. I said, oh, Omar really? is a star. It's amazing. I said like, watch him. Thank you. And even it's funny, a couple of years later, I was at a conference and Justin Wheeler, the CEO of Arcadia, Love Justin. was there. And I, I, I was talking to Justin, who's one of the nicest guys in the world. Oh my God. And I said, Omar, I said like, <laughs> watch him. I said, this guy, like you always have this passion, this attitude of like, I want to learn. I want to pick, pick people's brain. Like yeah. I'm willing to work a little bit harder than everyone. Yeah. I think a lot of it's probably because you were younger and new and you wanted to get ahead. Yeah. Um, and what you've done with your social media is incredible. I mean, I, I obviously I follow you. Yeah. I like everything you do, but like yeah. the people you're meeting with, like I saw you're with, I forget the, the real estate Trent guy or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like Trimal, last week. Guy. And I was like, that's amazing. Like this guy is yeah. like one of the most lauded, respected guys and you're there having lunch with them or even yeah. like, again, all the people you, I mean, walk us through how you do that. It's not easy. It yeah. looks easy. You yeah. make it look easy, but yeah. it's probably one of the most difficult things to grow that kind of following and put out quality content people want to read. Yeah. So it's definitely not easy. And I think uh, when people talk about like what makes a master a master, it's like the, the, the fact that they make it look easy, but uh -huh. it's not. But I'll tell you what, what I've realized is like people like passion and energy. They like people that are like fired up about what they're doing because you're like, man, like, you know, it, yeah. it, it's like through osmosis. So for me, I, I just think my background of like being from a third world country, having parents that didn't go to college, no like formal education, that this world to me yeah. is just so fascinating. And I'm like making money, meeting people like you, like yeah. you have no idea. Like my in, in Honduras, right? Like we don't know people like you. We don't know people like David Martin, George Perez, Scott yeah. Wadler, like it doesn't exist. Yeah. So for me to be given this opportunity to live in South Florida, make great money, doing something I like, yeah. my job is like meeting people like you and, and talking shop. I'm yeah. like, what more do I want? What? Right. So I guess I'm, I'm so fired up about the opportunity that I always give this example. When somebody emails me at 11 PM on a Saturday, I'm like, dude, let's say it's, you know, JP Perez, I related, right? For example, he'll email me on a Saturday night and I'm like, the fact that he's emailing me, I this it. guy could email a thousand, yeah. whoever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I could be at a dinner and I'm like, give me one second guys. Like I yeah. need to get this. But so I, I, that's what differentiates you from a lot of people is you take one, you're so passionate about your job and you're happy, but you also take it, you take it serious. You have fun with it, but you take it seriously. Very much so. You know, you have a great responsibility. A guy emails you at 11 o'clock. He's emailing you because he's coming to you for a reason. He wants right. your advice. He wants to pick your brain on something. Um, a lot of people would just deal with it a couple days later. Yeah. You're not, you're, you're on it. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for emailing me. Yeah. You know? And as it relates to social media, I think two things. I, I sort of just being observant realized how much it was growing. Like just the, 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 the audience, the leverage and Bob Knackle, this guy that started on social media recently, but he's been in the business for 40 years. He said it best. He's like, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. And that's the reason like why we're having this conversation. Cause I realized that I only have a limited amount of time in my day mm -hmm. and I could only, let's say I know a hundred Noah's that I want to do business with. There's only so many outreaches and dinners and lunches that sure. I have in a week to call those people. But if I can have a conversation that puts me top of mind, across 10,000, 50,000 people, like why wouldn't I be having those conversations? Yeah. So for me, it, it like sort of switches the leverage and the, ful the fulcrum. And I'm like, okay, let me invest in that. And then as it relates to what works, I, from a, from a salesperson perspective, I wanna cut through like the professional BS as quickly as possible yeah. because I've, I've realized or, or I have felt that people are much more receptive to authenticity. And they wanna know, I'm like, dude, it is tough. Yeah, we're in a broker recession right now. Bid yeah. bid ask spread is this. Sure, Omar, how are you doing? I'm like me this year. <laughs> I'm working twice as hard and making half as much. Yeah, I and like it. they crack up, and I'm just like, it. let's be honest. They appreciate that you're real. Hundred percent.
Do so, a lot of people, do a lot of younger people reach out to you on social media? Oh my God. Honestly. And what are they asking? Are they asking for advice on how to get ahead? Are they, are they looking for jobs? Like do people come to you and say, hire yesterday, Omar, hire me. Yesterday night I was at a dinner, received an email that was like, Hey, senior analyst, like something, something. And then, Hey, I see you're super active. I'm curious if your team is looking for bandwidth yeah. to grow and whatever. And I reply instantly. I'm yeah. like, cause I remember I was that person, right? Yeah. I'm only where I am today because I reached out to people like you and they sort of like, helped me out, inspired me, gave me next steps. The, the biggest one in my career has been, and it's funny because now we work together at Bercadia, is Mitch Simberg. Yeah, one of the greats. One of the greats. Yeah. For this guy, for me to cold call this guy yeah. in 2015, for him to answer and talk to me for 25 minutes, I hung up like shaking. Like, I'm like, oh my God. But that's what makes him great, is that he's willing to get on the phone with people. Anybody. People, deals happen when you get on the phone. Like you never know if the person you're speaking to is gonna be the next deal maker for you or the biggest BSer. But mm -hmm. either way, if you don't take the call, nothing's gonna come out of it. Correct. So the fact that Mitch was willing to get on the phone with you. I wasn't in real estate. I was like 23 years old. I get it. Like I hung up like, who is this guy? Yeah. And if you think about like Manny Desaraga and all these like greats in South Florida that yeah. everybody loves and admires, they're all down to earth, yeah. authentic, genuinely interested people that are passionate about what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I'll see from, from sort of the younger cohort of professional, uh, young professionals, they try to like be something they're not because they want to look like I do all these big yeah. deals and whatever. And I remember even when I was 24 and I didn't know Jack, uh -huh. I, I wouldn't pretend like I knew stuff. Uh -huh. I'd be like, let me ask all the questions possible because yeah. I don't know. And yeah. right now you'll ask me about a cash and refi. I'm like, logistically, how does that work? I don't yeah. get it. Like who is paying who? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now I get it. Yeah. Right. And I've, I've noticed that it happens also with 45 year olds. They're on a call and they just start BSing their way through a question. And, and one of my partners here at Bercadia, Jared Turkel, is the best at that. Somebody asks him a tough question and he's like, "Ooh, that's a tough question. I, I, don't, I have no idea. What do you think? <laughs> and like completely disarms the person. The guy says whatever he says, uh -huh. and then he'll either agree or disagree, and then have something like to re. And I'm just like, that was so good. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of people will be like, oh, 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 oh. I think, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think, and I'm, and so like, you lost them already. I got it. So it's like being a. I've learned how to disseminate that authenticity in mass through Instagram, through Twitter, through LinkedIn, and as it relates to like steps and actionable advice. It's put yourself out there, mm -hmm. do the reps, do the consistency, and over time, you'll see what works and what didn't. Yeah. Sometimes I'll spend 30 minutes on a great post that I think is gonna crush it. Yeah. My mom likes it, and that's it. And I'm just that's like- That's the most important. Yeah, 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 I'm like, that's a win. And when I'm just when like, she doesn't hey, like it, are you heartbroken? Yeah, like, oh, it's hell? funny, like, she doesn't use Twitter. <laughs> and like once a month, I get 52 likes from my mom because she'll pop into Twitter yeah. and just be like, I love this kid. That's funny. Um, so I'll throw posts that I thought were gonna be great, Literally yeah. echoes, echo chamber. And then I throw posts that I'm like, eh, just one sentence, whatever, blows up. And I'm like, oh, let me do more of that. I guess it's the fact that you're consistent too. Like you're 100%. still putting it out there. 100%. That's probably what people love too. Yeah. And they can, like, I, I, I'm not kidding. I go on Twitter and I'm like, I wonder what Omar has to say today. <laughs> like, I know he has to say something. Whether or not I agree with it or disagree right, doesn't right. matter. But like, I know he's saying something. He's yeah. either giving us opinion on something, he's yeah. talking about an interesting deal, commenting on a story, yeah. or giving a statistic. But like, Omar has something to say today and I want to know what it is. Yeah. So for me, it's just being able to connect with people in mass. That's what I like. That's why I'm a broker. Yeah. I don't want to be a principal. People are like, Omar, you can raise capital. You've got this reach. And I'm like, dude, you guys are way too smart for me. Like you keep buying deals. I just want to connect dots. That's all I want to do. Cause that's what I'm good at. And you said uh, earlier, what are you passionate about? I think people should not like round out their weaknesses. I think they should double down on their strengths from a general perspective. You know, I, yeah, there's weaknesses that I have that I've like, I've gotten them to a base level. Sure. But I'm like, I'm really good at this. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's do more of this. Um, and being consistent. So important in, in anything, right? Yeah. Gym, health, relationships, business. So it's, it's helped a lot. And then the progress. You get quick feedback loops in social media. It works or it doesn't. Um, and that progress allows you to sort of keep leaning into it. But it's definitely time consuming. Yeah, uh, that's sure. the one thing I'll tell you. Saturday, I mean, Saturdays, Sundays, I'm like, what can I talk about? You yeah. know, what do I want to talk about? Yeah. And for you, how do you think about marketing and stuff like that with Royal Palm Funding? Because now you're, you're, you're the marketer, you're the this, you're the that. 
Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's definitely not something I'm great at. It's something my focus right now is finding good quality deals. Right. Uh, it's not the marketing side, which is a flaw. But that's also part of when you're not with a big team and you're a smaller team, you only have so much time in the day. Right. Uh, you know, I try my best to tell the world what we're doing, um, tell the people we can help, what we can do to help them. Um, but uh, I'm nowhere near you. Yeah. I'm, I think I have 100 followers. On well, you a Maybe after this, I'll have 100. Yeah, you'll have 100. But my mom, my mom will follow you. My mom will follow you. She's, she's uh, loyal. But I'll tell you that. I feel like I'm a good marketer. And what do brokers get paid to do? Yeah. Of course. Market right. properties. Yeah, 100%. So I'm like, why would I go do something else? They're like, oh, but you can make more money here. I'm like, but I'm, I'm good here. Like, yeah. this is happening. I'm, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm good at this. Yeah. Um, and for you, like maybe marketing isn't your strong suit. Marketing's not my thing. And then, but you're, I, every time I talk, I love getting your perspective on the market. I love how you look at deals. And what you're looking at is, it runs the gamut. Yeah. You're looking at triple net in Fort Lauderdale, a we're house everything, in everything. Philly. We're opportunistic. Yeah. We're, we're a real estate group. So I love that you've been able to lean into like the entrepreneurial side of the business because I just see that it, it, it is who you are. Yeah. You want to like figure out problem like like uh, solve problems put out fires and and i love that you have a platform now that you've created to do that so I also it. i we should mention how do people i'm like i need to invest with noah i want to i see the alpha in sub-institutional real estate because not that many people play in that space yeah how do they reach out how do they get to know i'm very approachable like omar you can reach out to me royalpalmfunding.com is my website you can call me directly 561-400-7936 shoot me an email noah royalpalmfunding.com uh, I'm not that active on Twitter, but if you message me, I'll reach out, uh, back out. But again, just shoot me an email, go on my website. Uh, you can reach me anytime or reach out to Omar and he'll, he'll introduce you. I will connect you to whoever you want to be connected to. Noah, thank you so much. Thanks, Omar.